Welcome to the scorecard with Kate and Mike Watts. Oh, wait, I mean the Kate and Mike show. It's hard to take you seriously with you wearing your hood like that. I like it. My head's cold because I'm bald. Put on a hat. No, I just like it like this. Okay. Matt, you can start with that rant or that rift as our opener. A riff. A riff? A rift is when two people are like when there's something between you, like you're having a fight. That's a rift. A oh. riff is when you're riff. just like Bantering. going off about something. You can start that banter. You can even keep this in there. So I don't know where this is going to go. Anyway. Okay. Hi, I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to another episode of the Kate and Mike show. I'm Mike. And I'm Kate. And we just had Thanksgiving. So I know this episode is coming out a little bit after we've recorded it, but... Right before Christmas. It's coming out right before Christmas. And do you want to share anything about your Thanksgiving experience, honey? Anything about the holiday? Well, we hosted 16 people. Yep. That included one teenager and two babies. Yep. Plus two dogs. Plus two dogs. Not included that in was the li- That was like total chaos. The dogs added it over the top. Like that took it to a new, whole new, another level. That was unexpected. I wasn't expecting two dogs. Were you? No. No. So we did that at our house and that was the first time. And it was really fun. I liked it. I like hosting. We did it very easy for those of you who find Thanksgiving complicated. I know there was always a lot of stressors around the holidays with food and making food, etc., there's a company here called Dandelion Catering that we ordered our turkeys ready to go, brined everything ready to go, and then we just stuck them in the oven and cooked them. And then we had everybody else bring sides, and we didn't cook anything. I, I made a grain-free oh, yeah, stuffing. That's right. Which Penelope has been eating for days, and it's her new favorite thing. Right. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, you made a paleo stuffing. I made a paleo stuffing. Because we didn't order enough stuffing. As it turned out, we did. I mean, here's the thing with me. I always end up having like, I was so afraid that we weren't going to have enough food. We ended up ordering two turkeys and we didn't even carve the second turkey. There were still leftovers from the first one. So, and there were like five pies and it was a little out of control, but luckily everybody had leftovers and we just finished eating the turkey last night. Yeah. We had 16 people, really 13 because teenager and baby, two babies. We had 13 people, but we had five pies and a cake. Right. Because it was also my dad's birthday. We it was the, the first time that I have had both of my parents at a holiday since I was 15 years old. So that was like 16 years. So that was a pretty big deal. No, more than 16 years, like 18 years. Yeah, you're 33. I think so. Yeah. No. no. Um, <laughs> so that was really great, I have to say. It was really, really yeah. sweet to have. And then we had... Some really great friends who came in from L.A. or New York, and that was great. So, but right now, when this episode is going live, it is the darkest time of the year, and it's right before Christmas. Tomorrow is the solstice. So this episode is coming out on Tuesday, December 20th. Tomorrow is the winter solstice. Wednesday, December 21st. It's the shortest day of the year. And if you live in New England, in Maine, where we live, it's like a really short day. <laughs> like it starts getting dark around three in yeah, the afternoon. Yeah, it's three o'clock. Um, Sun rises like seven or something and 
Yeah, and then it's three. We yeah. are dark. So it's the shortest day of the year. It's the darkest time of the year. And in honor of that, we wanted to talk about some of the darkness that we've had in our lives. And what I mean by darkness is times of uncertainty, times of difficulty, times of not knowing what we were doing, times of feeling lost and how kind of that living in the unknown, like what that's brought out, because this is a perfect time of year to honor the parts of us and the times in our lives when we don't know what's going on, when we can't see in front of us, when we can't see, you know, more than 20 feet in front of us and we don't know what's going on. I think oftentimes we just try to hurry up and get through the uncertainty and hurry up and make a plan and hurry up and just like get into action. And just, you know, it's like, especially if you're going home for the holidays and you're in transition in your life, there's like so much pressure to have a plan and to come home to your family and be like, this is what I'm doing or to your aunt may, who's going to ask you how you are and what you're doing. And it's like, ah, it feels like maybe not okay to go home and say, well, I'm not sure I'm in transition. I'm living in the question, but we wanted to share a couple times in our lives when we felt that uncertainty and felt like it's been really fruitful because the truth is none of the good stuff can come out if we don't have those periods of darkness, right? Like we plant seeds in the earth and it's dark in there when we plant them and then they grow in the darkness and in that fertile soil. And those dark moments of our lives are kind of like compost and they fertilize the seeds that we've planted so that they can then come into the light and be a bountiful harvest. But we have to honor the time when the seed is just sitting there in the dark and when it looks like nothing is happening. And this is a perfect time of the year to honor that. And one thing I learned from my mom, Christian Northrup, is that the annual calendar also is a macrocosm of, of the lunar cycle of the month, as well as of a woman's menstrual cycle. And so December 21st, the darkest moment of the year would be the same thing as the dark of the moon and would be the same thing as the beginning of the menstrual part of our cycle. So it's a really great time to think about letting go and to go within and ask what is working in my life and what is not working in my life. And what do I want to leave here in the darkness on this darkest day of the year? And what do I want to call into my life as the light returns? And each year at the solstice, my family has always done like just a simple fire ceremony where we write down what we no longer want, what we want to release and leave in the darkness. And we burn that in a fire and then we call in what we want to bring in as the light returns to the earth beginning on December 22nd, because that's when we then move into the light coming back. And we, you know, it's kind of the same thing as the moon waxing all the way until June 21st, which is the solstice, which is kind of the same thing as the full moon, which would be the same thing as ovulation in your cycle. So that's a lot of information, but I just kind of wanted to put us in some context there. So Mike, do you have any examples? And if you can't think of one, I can <laughs> of like being in the unknown and what that felt like to you being in that place of darkness and then what came out of it as a result? Sure. I have one. Only one has only happened one in time. my life. Yep. Wow. I've, you know, perfect life over here. It's <laughs> shiny bright. I'm still lost in all that explanation you just did based off the, so that was a lot of information. That was nice. I like it. The darkness in my life 
There's been a lot of that, I would say. So yeah, I would say the turning pro moment, there was a book by Stephen Pressfield called Turning Pro. In that moment, he talks about that we come to a decision that we have to make where things, we either go one direction or the other direction, and we can kind of stay the path that we're currently at or make a decision to turn pro. And I would say I had a pretty dark period there. That I just look at more as growth. So I'm not thinking when I'm thinking of this period, it's not something where I'm like in a dark dungeon and I'm miserable, right? So Yeah, but you told me you were really depressed and all you did was eat ice cream and watch episodes of Seinfeld. Yeah, that's true. To me, that's a really, it is. Now you just said, well, I just look at that as growth. What we're trying to talk about here is that those dark periods are part of the growth process. Correct. That's the whole thing. So That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I started my business in 2009 in January right when I got laid off from Philip Morris. And then I had a relationship that ended, I would say about six months later with my ex-girlfriend. And so that ended the same year as I lost my job. And then I decided to move to where my business mentors were in Florida. So I was flying back and forth from North Carolina to Florida. And then that took place for about eight months, you know, or give or take or some. And then the middle of 2009, I decided to move to Florida. So I left my house that I owned in North Carolina and then moved down to Florida. And then I was in Florida for eight months and then I moved to Arizona. So I did a lot of, I moved three times in a year and a half. So a lot of transformation took place and I've actually moved 10 times in the last 15 years, which is kind of insane. Yeah, it is. When I told my buddy that the other day, he's like, moving sucks. I'm like, I know I've done it 10 times in 15 years. He's like, holy smokes. So... And then I ended up in Arizona and I had two or three buddies that lived out there, but I went to college with them. We hung out a little bit, but I was in massive like life transformation from the time that I knew myself as the party animal from the time I was 16 to the time I was 28. I was a great person to hang out in parties with through great parties, had lots of fun. And that's what I, I knew myself as. But then when I was in Arizona, I decided to like take some time off from drinking. I took some time off from dating. And then I ended up just sitting in my room. I had my business running. I was making a little bit of money. Like we're talking like a couple hundred bucks a week. And then I was also spending all my 401k because I cashed it out to make my business survive. And then I was collecting. I had some unemployment severance money from being laid off at Philip Morris, which the state of North Carolina was paying me, which was great. I was able to support myself. And then I took random jobs. Like I worked the census. So I went door to door in Florida. And then in Arizona, I did door to door windshield sales. So if you had a cracked windshield, then I was the guy that would come to your door and replace it. So I did all sorts of these little jobs just to keep myself afloat. And, but I was super unhappy and I just didn't know, like I was unhappy. It was weird. It was like a roller coaster of emotions. But yeah, I would spend my evenings and weekends and mornings laying in bed, eating like those little dollar things of ice cream that you can get because you could get 10 for 10, 10 ice cream things for $10. So I would get that a lot and I would eat that. And then I would watch, I watched every episode of Seinfeld and every episode of Entourage and then countless documentaries about all sorts of random stuff. So that like I spent a lot of time doing that. I lived in Arizona for basically what I moved there in August and then you and I left in February. So that's five months, four months. So for those five months, that's what a lot of that time consisted of. And then going out to the bars and et cetera with my buddies. But then towards in November of 2010, I stopped that and I just wanted to do something different. 
but stopping that is what created a lot of this life change that took place. And so I was super, it was depressing, as you said. That's exactly what it was. When I think back to that time, that's exactly what it was. So yeah, so that was a pretty dark moment. And business was taking off. I was in between like, do I go get a job? Do I not get a job? Do I, I was diving all deep into my business. Like I was doing the work to do that, but there was nothing else besides the work and it created, it was my first time outsourcing. You know, we did that podcast on outsourcing. I had a guy who was living, he was developing websites. I forget where he was, India. He was in India and he traveled and all he did was develop websites and travel all over the place. And he developed three or four of my websites that I had done. And that was like my first time really outsourcing stuff. I made my first affiliate income there. So there's a lot of positives that took place as well as a lot of the darkness that you talk about. So during that time, what seeds would you say were planted in that darkness? Like what seeds of new growth were germinating in that time of like that maybe on the outside didn't look like much was happening, but what do you think was happening that was important? Seeds germinating. I would say the trust in myself that I can do this because in a corporate world or culturally here in the United States, from my experience, we're not actually given that ability. Now I'm starting to like really track history and all this. This is totally off the topic, but it's like starting to track history of during the World War II. Like I just told you about the untold history of the United States by Oliver Stone, the Netflix documentary. And it came out like three or four years ago. And they're talking about World War II and all these countries and how these dictators or communist countries just dominated China and Soviet Union and then the Nazis and et cetera. And I think about that and I just think about people, like, right? I just think about people in general, how we're not actually like if you spoke out or did something like that, you're just you're taken out, right? So we're culturally programmed to follow everyone else or that's what at least it looks like right so like it's rare like to be sitting all my friends were just like this isn't going to work i remember visiting my friend in denver and i was telling him the new thing i was going to do and he's like you know that's not going to work like that was his response right off the bat and in turn he was correct like it didn't work for me because that i ended up doing something else right But I don't look at it as a failure and I don't look at it as saying it didn't work. It was just a stepping stone to finding that thing that did work. So I would say number one was really trusting myself that I have the ability to do this, which is I'm still learning that today, you know, honestly. I think with parenting brings it up, marriage brings it up, us working together in our business brings it up. So I think it's one of those things that continually... So that was a seed that was planted. I also... The true... I think the entrepreneurial spirit that I've had my whole life going back to when I can remember like delivering papers and I used to do things differently, delivering papers and then my college businesses, et cetera. And even in high school, I was always into multiple things. I was always into like slang and stuff. I'm always been in the sales game, like always selling stuff. The way I used to sell all my stuff on Craigslist when I would move, I would videotape everything and then I would put the price there. I would get thousands of views on these videos that I would post on Craigslist and all these different platforms when I was selling my stuff in Arizona or in Arizona and Florida. And it was just crazy that I would get thousands of views and people would, I would sell my entire house or apartment in a week. Like it would all be gone. We should do a podcast on sales. Okay. So just putting that aside. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely sales. And then, so I was always into like 
slang and stuff. And I kind of thought <laughs> we should call it slang and stuff. slang and stuff. I should create like some slang and stuff. <laughs> this should be the clothing line or whatever. So I was always into slang and stuff. And I just thought it was wrong because there wasn't a lot of people. I was made fun of a lot for it. You know, I can think back to names which aren't people made fun of you for having your own side businesses, side businesses, but also being, I was also called like now I didn't know this at the time, but super racist things like, yeah, it wasn't very nice and I will not repeat it, but it was like my friends would call me these things because we also didn't really know we were in middle school and high school and I just, you don't really understand the cultural dynamics at that moment in time. And so it was just is when I look back on it that I don't know if it was jealousy that came up on their end. And I'm sure if you like dig into the psychology of everything that's possible. But it was one of those things where I never valued myself for those skill sets that I had at that moment in time. And yeah, so it's like being comfortable in that, that I'm that different, you know, from somebody else. And we're all different than the other people around there. So it's being comfortable in that skin. So I think that was a seed that was planted there, which I'm still working on today. I would say I'm a like a little tree that's about a foot off the ground. You know, that's where I'm at at this moment. If the seed was planted in 2010, so six years, I've got to about a foot off the ground, you know, and then it's going to continually grow from there. I think that's real. That's a good analogy for where I'm at. And then the third one that I'll leave you with would be surrounding myself with really knowledgeable people. And how did I actually do that? It was crazy. I remember I was making, I don't know, I made like $30,000 this year. And that was total income. And this was 2010 or something. And I remember going to an event, or this was 2011. This is after you and I met. And I went to an event. That year, my actual taxable income was $8,359. So it was less than $30,000. You were such a catch. Yeah. Sexy. (laughs) Banking, <laughs> banking. But remember, like you think about that for 2011 and how awesome. Like we had a pretty good. It was rough, but it was a pretty awesome little. We thing. had so much. Fun. It was really pretty cool. It's a great example of like, you know, you don't have to have crazy abundance in order to have a great adventure. No, no, not at all. And I was just my friends were making like six figures and all this stuff, and I'm like, shit. Like, what am I going to do? But I just knew that I was just kept putting faith and faith and faith. And the amount of debt I had was ridiculous. So the third one would be putting myself in the good situations. Well, surrounding myself with people that thought along the same lines, but even though they might not have been my personal direct friends. So the example I have is I went to an event in California and I was sitting at a table with six people. I was one of the six. So there's five other guys. And one of them made over $10 million in his business. Another one has now earned over $10 million in his business. And two of the other ones were high six-figure earners and mid-six-figure earners. And I'm this dude making like, you know, $8,000 or that was on my taxable income. So I had business expenses, right? But like $8,000 of taxable income. And I was like, I can't believe I like I took a moment. I still remember I can picture in my head right now. I was sitting on the left side of the table and Eric and Steve and Mark and Jonathan were there and we're all sitting there and I just like, wow, how did I end up here? Like what got and it's the I took the chance and the opportunity to do these things. So that was a seed that was planted then and it planted, I think, a lot earlier than that because that's how I ended up at Philip Morris. That's how I ended up in Florida. But it was just really acknowledging that these choices I made 
to do these crazy things led to good places. And I, there wasn't like a direct correlation answer at that moment in time. And it just gave me the confidence that I was kind of moving in the right direction, even though everything around me was not moving that direction. But when I would end up at these places, that would be confirmation for that. Well, totally. And there's this great analogy that you might have heard, which is that there's something called driftwood. So another analogy for kind of being in the darkness is like being out at sea and not seeing any land. Right. And when you have a moment that confirms that you're on the right track, like you sitting at that table of multimillionaires, even though your business was not there yet, that's called driftwood. And that's one of the coolest practices that I love to use is when I'm in that place where I feel like I'm drifting out at sea and I have no idea where the land is or I'm in the darkness, I can't see what's in front of me, is to look for those signs that I am on the right track. And, you know, spotting for driftwood is one of the great, we call it driftwood in my family. And I learned that at Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts, but I've heard it other places as well. Cool. Yeah. So for me, you know, honestly, one of the places of, I wouldn't really call it darkness, but certainly of the unknown. So a form of darkness has been really the last three years since Money, A Love Story came out. Because Mm. really, by the time Money, A Love Story came out, to be perfectly honest, I was kind of over the money conversation, which was terrible timing because (laughs) when you have a book come out about a subject, you have to talk about it a lot. And I was on the Today Show talking about it and Yahoo Finance. And I was on all these podcasts and I was blogging about it and doing guest posts. And then consequently, I really like over the last three years, I mean, we created a beautiful wedding and we created this amazing honeymoon and we had a baby and we've had an incredible year with her. So from that perspective, on a personal level, things have been in like big time harvest, I would say, like a lot of abundance and harvest there. But from a professional standpoint, even though our business has continued to grow and we've been having fun, like I haven't felt particularly like I knew what I was doing. And I have felt like there's going to be another idea coming, but I don't know what it is and I don't know what I want to talk about. And maybe I'll quit and like, we'll start investing in real estate or something, or maybe we'll become movie producers or I mean, I was really just like open to anything, but feeling really lost. Like I would watch my friends in this same, you know, personal growth spirituality space and be like, God, she really seems like she knows what she's talking about. And like, she really seems passionate about it. (laughs) And I just felt like I don't feel that way, you know, and I don't know. I just was sort of in that place. And a couple weeks ago, I had an idea and it was through a, a first an idea I had and then a conversation with Mike of where to go next. And it feels really exciting and so natural and so abundant. And like, I'm so excited to work on it and I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but you'll know in 2017, you'll definitely hear plenty about it. And to me, you know, looking back now, I'm like, I'm so glad that I didn't rush it and just decide, okay, well, I'm just going to come up with my next big thing or my next idea instead of just kind of letting things be what they were. Like I kept writing the blog every week. You know, we launched the Feng Shui for Financial Freedom course. We launched some different things. We tried some different things. We've been consistent in our business. We've, you know, done some back end stuff that's not that sexy, but needed to be done sort of like, you know, the internet equivalent of 
fixing the plumbing and the electric. So we've done things like that, like shoring things up, but it's not been a time of tremendous creation. And that makes perfect sense because creating our wedding and gestating a baby and then, you know, helping her thrive during her first year of life is actually turns out a lot. So it's completely fine that we also wouldn't be having the most fruitful creative years of our life at that same time, professionally speaking. But it's been really cool to look back and see like, wow, that time, that three years of kind of professional fallow, like letting things just kind of be in the unknown and saying, yeah, we're going to keep things going. We're going to keep growing. But, you know, the reality is if I was super honest with you, I haven't felt like I knew what I was doing that entire time. And I haven't felt like there was like something burning that I had to say or had to speak about. And now I finally know what it is. And I finally know what I'm going to create. I couldn't have rushed the process. Just like you can't, you know, a baby takes about nine to 10 months to gestate. And like, if you rush it, if that baby comes early, you know, we have the modern medicine to help it survive sometimes, but it's hard. Like the baby is not meant to come out before about nine months. And you know, I really see the creative cycle with what has been gestating in me professionally that I'm so glad I didn't push to come up with it because what would have ended up happening is probably we would have launched some idea that was just kind of like some idea as opposed to a divine inspiration. And when you do that, you have to search for motivation, meaning you have to look for, okay, like what's going to motivate me to work on this project? What's going to motivate me to get out of bed in the morning and get to work? versus when something's divinely inspired and sort of like erupts from your soul or comes from within and it's like, oh my gosh, I just got this great idea. I can't wait to work on it. Then you're working from inspiration as opposed to motivation. And inspiration is more of a renewable resource. Eventually you run out of motivation. Like you can get one of those memes on Instagram and for an hour you're like, oh yeah, I've totally got this. But then it's like, okay, what's going to motivate me next? But to keep going on a project that's divinely inspired, you don't need motivation. It's like this innate feeling that you just want to work on it. Even when, even if you feel tired or even if you feel like, oh God, you know, I've been working a lot. It's like, there's this burning desire to keep going with it and the ideas keep popping. So my period, it has been really uncomfortable that period of three years of just being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Feeling like in some ways, you know, not to play the comparison game, but I think humans are to some degree, it's inevitable with humans, like feeling a little bit like, Ooh, I should be, you know, out there more or putting something out there or writing another book or whatever. But I'm so grateful that I just honored where I was. And that when Hay House asked for another book, I said no, because I didn't want to just write something to write something. I wanted to wait until I felt like I really had something to say. And those are two very different things, because I could have easily just like written a book. But really waiting until you have something you feel divinely inspired to say is a very different bird altogether. And it makes for work, at least for myself, it makes for work that I'm much more proud of. So that's been my little period of Hold on. I have a comment on that. Yes. What's your comment, honey? But you did push. Like you said, you didn't push and you wanted to wait until it. You did do that a lot, though. What do you like, mean? Like there was a we've had a lot of conversations over the last three years about like, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. You know, and so that has caused like, how has that been for you? Here's why I'm saying I didn't push 
like I didn't just say, well, yeah, you didn't just Hey write House wants another book and therefore I'm right. just going to come up with some idea. We didn't just like create a course to create a course. You know what I mean? Like we didn't, we kept putting valuable things out there, but I didn't push myself to be like, I have to come up with the next big thing right now. Let's just fabricate it. Do you yeah, see the difference? I see the difference. Yeah. Did it cause me a lot of angst not knowing what I was doing and feeling like I might never have another inspired thought? Yes. Like being in that dark place is uncomfortable. It sucks. It's really like that place of uncertainty. It's deeply uncomfortable because we've all been programmed to have a plan and to know what we're doing and be really linear about it. But the path of the entrepreneur, the path of the creative is not a linear path. It's a circle. It's a cycle. It's it's production and contraction and it's birth and death. And it's, you know, moving into periods of creation and then moving into periods of rest and lying fallow. And I think that I really struggle with that. I continue to struggle with that. Like taking a break is super hard for me. It took becoming completely exhausted during pregnancy to just freaking rest <laughs> and rest I did <laughs> for about nine months. But yeah, I'm not saying it was easy and I'm not saying I wasn't angsty and I'm not saying I didn't bug you a lot with conversations about this because I know it caused you a lot of angst as well. But I yeah. am proud that I didn't push to just like birth some big thing just to birth something. Right. You know? Yeah. I think it like slowed us down a little bit business wise too. What do you mean? Well, because there was always this there was a lot of trying to figure out what's next because there's a lot of resistance around the money conversation itself. The amount of times you said you never want to talk about money again. I know. But what's interesting is that our money was messed up. You know, like not in a bad way, but like we were making money, but also our personal finances together as a couple were a little bit all over the place until this well, year. Well, we weren't we, tracking them as well as we could Right. Have. So we didn't have, you know, make a long story short, we were making more money and the more money you make, more taxes you got to pay. So we didn't factor all that in. So it's kind of like for three years, we were paying a lot of catch up. And this is the first year going forward, which we said this before on the podcast, like, and we can talk about this in the future in a future episode in more detail. But this was the first year at this moment in time where we're not trying to do something to pay off past year taxes, et cetera, you know, kind of playing catch up. So I think what's interesting about that is all the anxiety around the money conversation. And we still didn't square that because even though you gave me that I was a super catch, you know, when I made eight or $30,000 in my first year, like it was the same on both sides, like your oh, business yeah. and my business, et cetera, when we first met. And yeah, so I think it's, it's, I don't know how to connect the dots yet, but I just, as you were talking about it, started thinking about our life. Well, I think that in retrospect, like the next fallow period, the next time I'm feeling unsure of what I want to do next, because I know it'll happen again. You know, if I could go back three years and give myself some advice, I would say, be patient. It will come. And in the meantime, feel free to make the most out of what you have right, right. now. Because when it came to what was actually really interesting about it is I had so much resistance around the money conversation. But then when we relaunched the money love course this past August, I actually found it was so much fun. And I was like, wait a second, this material is really good. And PS people need help with this. <laughs> I mean, that was what was so cool is to say like, actually, this is really, it felt alive for me just dipping back in and saying like, actually, you know, and we talked about this before that just because you currently in your life are not in a certain place doesn't mean 
that that content isn't still relevant to somebody else. And that's right. been a huge, I still struggle with that. Like this idea as a personal brand that people need to be consuming what I'm currently experiencing, like that puts unnecessary pressure. And so I think I would have gone back in time and said, honey, your next great idea is coming. In the meantime, enjoy the wedding, enjoy the honeymoon, enjoy getting pregnant and like set up some more passive income streams that you know you can create and do really well that might not be your biggest divine inspiration, but that will really serve people. And I would have said, focus less on needing a great idea and more on being of service and getting the work you've already done out to more people rather than just kind of staying in the constant loop of, I don't know what I want to do next. I don't want to do money. Like I was a little bit bratty to be perfectly honest. So I'd go back and just ask her to relax a little bit more and just enjoy the period of time. Because, you know, now that I have this idea, I'm kind of like, oh my God, I just want to do it. And it's like a whole other energy. And it's a great energy, but it's a very different feeling Mm -hmm. energy than the energy of like, let's just cuddle up at the end of the day and watch Fixer Upper, which we are going to do tonight because it's the season's premiere and I'm so excited and I'm making chicken pot pie, paleo version. Anyway, (laughs) do you have anything else on this topic, honey? No, but I think it's something to really, I think what Kate shared, you know, a lot of you might be like, well, I'm not writing a book or I don't have this, you know, so I want to really bring this home for you as well, because you might, let's just say you wanted three kids, like maybe we'll bring it to kids and well, I only have one right now, but I want to get two or three and it's just like experiencing Penelope as she is now. If all of a sudden I have three kids, like I'm not like this time with Penelope is so limited. So when you are working on your projects or what's next, or maybe you had a job you don't fully enjoy, right? So I can think of somebody that was hanging out with us this weekend that's not 100% into their job and behind it. But it's almost like the job is one of those things that's taking care of the bills. It's one of those things that's taking care of the rent. It's taking care of our basic necessities. And then we work on our side project or our side business that really excites us on the side. Like we create that time to find those passion projects and to find maybe it's more time with our kids or going on vacation or going on trips. And I think it's really, you know, like you just shared with, we'll go back and talk to my girl. It'd be like, Hey, maybe we should work on this right now instead of worrying about what's next because it'll come. It's been interesting. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday at the grocery store who are a friend of ours. She said she had a lot of friends who are in their early or late twenties, et cetera. And then also older, but she's just amazed of how grown up kids are in their 20s because she looks back at her 20s like there's no way I was that grown up and I said you know it's interesting I haven't thought about that because now with technology with the phones with social media I feel like we're being forced to grow up faster than the reality is like I remember growing up thinking like a million dollars was so much money right like it's it's the most astronomical amount of money that I can think of and now you read on you know, millionaires are popping up every single day everywhere. And now that number's like a trillion, but a trillion isn't even that much because the country's in $20 trillion in debt. So it's like, we just throw the number around like it's a trillion. And of course, yes, a million dollars is a tremendous amount of money and a trillion is a tremendous amount of money. But I think it's one of those where it's being projected on us faster, 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 do this quicker, quicker, quicker. We remove the part of experience and time in our life. To say, okay, this didn't succeed. We see this in our USANA business all the time. People don't have success in four months, they're out. They quit. Like, imagine 
trying to raise a kid for four months just say oh well our kid's crying for four months i'm out you know like a lot of people do that but maybe not a lot but some so they just check out right so it's the same thing where oh penelope can't walk in four months penelope what's wrong with you get it together you know little baby no it's like no we don't we don't give ourselves enough time right now for germination to happen because when you start something new and it's in those first few months that dark place hits and it can hit quickly or it can take a little bit. Usually it'll come upon us like what our mom thinks, what our dad thinks, what our brother thinks, what our sister thinks, etc. And that stops us from really doing our thing. So I think it's awesome that you did give yourself that time to do that. And now it's like now you're rocket fire excited. It's go time. It's go time. No, so- I don't have anything really. But I do think about that time back in Arizona, I remember those experiences, not as like beating myself up about it, but just as good things to honor that for myself. Like I did that. I really spent the time at that moment where I was a little bit upset and wasn't sure what to do and running out of money. And I did it and I put the time in to grow myself. And so even right now as a dad or a husband, It's the same thing where I'm not going to be the greatest husband in one year. I mean, of course I am. What am I talking about? But no, in seriousness, like it's a lifelong journey to be a good partner in life. And it's going to be a lifelong journey to be a good dad. Because what works with Penelope now, what connects her and I, most likely will change in a couple of years. And either I can stay the same person I am now or really adapt to that and change that to go with it and grow. So for you listening, if you are in that place of darkness or the unknown or uncertainty, feeling a little lost, like Mike and I both described times in our life, as Mike said, I want you to really honor that place, honor that place as an integral part of the journey and a step along the way that actually you can't miss, like you can't pass it by if you really want to have a fertile, abundant harvest later on. And so also know that, yes, like there are periods where you're in that darkness and then you inevitably come out of it and get more clarity and, you know, start to be in creation mode again. But know that you're going to come back around to that place of the darkness. Like every single year, there's a December 21st. Every single year, there's a solstice. There's the darkest day of the year. And every single year, we get to celebrate the returning of the light. And then we go back. And then we go back. And so really honoring every step along the way as part of the journey and not just trying to always get to the light part, not always just focusing on the production on creation. I think we could all stand to learn a little bit about that, as could I. So I honor where you are at this darkest time of the year. And may we all celebrate the light returning starting on Thursday, December 22nd. And I look forward to hearing from you, you know, tweet me at Kate Northrup, tweet Mike at Mike J Watts, write in the comments on katenorthup.com forward slash podcast, and let us know what your experience is with this. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on iTunes and share it with your friends. Share this episode with anyone you know, who's in that time of uncertainty or darkness and maybe it'll be a little salve to their soul yeah i love it i love you honey i love you too thanks everyone see you next week bye guys ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you mike and i want to share our top five tools for making a life not just a living 
To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.